and welcome to What On at Cineworld Cinemas. I am Luke Owen. And I'm Ollie Davis. Hello, mate. How's it going? I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a new backpack. <gasps> yeah. New backpack. Yeah. It's, it was the big talking point in the office when yeah, you came yeah. in. It's uh, it's style over substance. <laughs> it's not got it's not got enough pockets. Yeah, you, I believe your words were this doesn't actually function as a bag. It functions as a bag in that it carries stuff, but oh, I'm a man who likes pockets, compartments. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I'll get over it. It's my it's my smart backpack. Yeah. yeah. We're coming into work. Yeah. <laughs> Well, everyone is very much in agreement with you, it would seem, after last week's episode, looking at the comments here, where you said that the Batman was the best man. Oh! Uh, I was here, said, I agree with Ollie. For me, the Batman is a perfect mix of Chinatown, Zodiac, and Seven. Chinatown. Interesting. I I guess, yeah, because you've got the... You know, this isn't too much of a spoiler. Large city-spanning conspiracies. Um... But yeah, the, the one I keep thinking about more, and it's difficult because it's a movie I have not seen, but Saw. I think Saw is a big influence on the film really as well. Really now? Yeah, not from a, a torture porn perspective, but just from some of the some of the stunts, the Riddler pulls on his victims. Oh, I see. Is very, you know, what would you do? Mousetrap. Yeah. Uh, e. Dadler here says, Dark Knight is still number one to me. Christian Bell was a great Batman. Heath Ledger with an amazing antagonist. Sporting characters are also excellent. Batman is a close second. Mm. It sets up the world on ethos and the performances are top notch. Time will treat the Batman kindly. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, when people look, this is a genuine art house movie. Whereas Nolan was doing a blockbuster heat. With superheroes. And so, yeah. Craig Whitworth said, as much as I liked this, the Dark Knight trilogy with Christian Bale takes it for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought this from Harry then. Stumble across this video, it's like finding out your mates have a really cool job that you never knew about. <laughs> Which is very nice. And I like this one here from Jimith Jamith, who says, I'm with Alan Moore, it's a comic book, Luke Owen, great stuff. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Graphic novel. Well, like, like someone here, Sean says, comic books are individual issues. A multi-comic book story arc combined and put under one cover is a graphic novel. Watchmen was released as single issues, mm. so it, it is a. Comic yeah, book. but when you buy it as a trade paperback, which is the you know the sort of what, industry name. You're right. For so it. it's called a trade paperback. Who's gonna call it a trade trade paperback versus graphic they, novel? That's what they're called. TB, TPBs. Yeah, but it's that's too insider. It's not. That's not a cool way to market a. A collection of Can't that, cover that in a newspaper, can you? Uh, and we're going to get into the main show here. Switching gears to talk about Marvel and Sony's Madam Web movie and its casting. Here is the show. Today, it's my realm once again. No, 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 we can talk about Batman some no, more. You had your DC fun. I'm going to see it again this weekend. You've had your DC fun for the last few weeks. We get back into my Marvel realm here. Okay, well, I like Spider-Man, <laughs> so it's okay. Have you seen the Batman again this weekend, are you? That's my plan. Yeah? Yeah. Have, have, you've sat in it for a week now. You've ruminated over it. Uh -huh. Last week, you said it was the best man. Do you still stick to it? I think so. 
I think I'm sticking with the Batman as the best man. Honestly, I can't stop thinking about it. I, I haven't gone to see a film twice in the cinemas since Infinity War. I've got a text message from my friend here uh, who said, uh, I'm just going to say it. I enjoyed Batman and Robin more than the Batman. You, your friends and you are like a troll operation in real life on quality cinema. <laughs> hey, I, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't comment. But I know what your comments are going to be. <laughs> Wait, I'm just going to... You're just going to say this, even if you don't believe it. Even if I don't believe it, I'm just going to say it to you. And only you. Mm. Everyone else, I will say, oh yeah, the Batman's amazing. But to you only, I will say that Batman and Robin is better. Anywho, so it was announced this week by Sony off the back of the success of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which did half a billion dollars at the box office, and Spider-Man No Way Home doing all the billions of dollars at the box office. Morbius is going to be coming out soon as well after its little slight... Morbius's delay was because Spider-Man was doing so good <laughs> that Sony were like, we can push this back just a little bit and have more good Spider-Man money come in. I was prepped for January Morbius, but yeah, now it's an April movie. Yeah, so that's coming out next month. And they announced this week that uh, it's been in development since 2019, but they're now doing a Madam Web solo movie. Now, Madam Web is a Spider-Man character. She is someone who is blind and she's sort of like got clairvoyance powers and this and the other. And is, is Who's clairvoyance? Oh, she's another character. Right, right, we'll right, come right. on to her in a bit. It, it's interesting, actually. So Deadline had this to say about it. So Deadline were the ones who reported the news. This is an interesting line I thought they had in there. Insiders say, due to her psychic sensory powers, she's essentially Sony's version of Doctor Strange. So now that Sony... Doctor Strange? Well, Sony's version. Of, he was in the Spider-Man movie. But he's not going to be in future Spider-Man movies. And if they want to do more multiversal stuff, they need to have a character in there that can essentially replace oh. Doctor Strange and this be an in-house version of that character. Because right now, Venom and... Tom Holland's Spider-Man are in distinct dimensions from each other. And we, uh, Morbius, we think, is in Tom Dolan's world because... The, uh, the, um, the Birdman uh, is bird, in it. Yeah, bird, literally, yeah, Birdman. Literally he Birdman. He was in a movie called Birdman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, so, yeah, we think he's set in there. We don't really know where Madam Web sits within this sort of multiverse thing. I think that's that's just the new flavour at the moment, isn't it? It's just everyone wants to do multiverse movies. Well, but it's nice, isn't it? It neatly ties up loads of different attempts at making a superhero IP work at the cinema. Yeah, I mean, like, they're doing a new Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon, and it's like, what's it about? It's a multiverse movie. Like, it's, it's a multiverse. It didn't need to be one. Uh, Space Jam 2 it was, was a multiverse <laughs> movie. Yeah. Ready Player One. Damn you, Ready Player One. Just now everything is a multiverse. But uh, I'm actually quite excited for this. Yeah, it's and they cool. announced that Dakota Johnson, uh, she of Fifty Shades of Grey and its sequels, will be playing Madam Web. Now, Madam Web has traditionally been a much older lady. You might remember her from the 90s Spider Man cartoon. She was an older, much more frail lady. In fact, actually, Madam Web is a character that doesn't get into fights and stuff because she is an old lady. But she's kind of like omnipotent, right? She's yeah. you described her as Doctor Strange, but in my head, she's she fits more of that Watcher vibe. Yeah, that's where a good, she's yeah, more yeah. of a puppeteer of things going on. It's but, weird to have a solo movie for her. Well, I guess they want to just introduce her to because I think she is going to be quite a pivotal character within Sony's Spider-Man verse, which they've been you know desperate to do. We talked about it a lot on this mm. show uh, over the last few weeks, uh, and I guess that my theory is that they want to use her to bring all of these 
characters together to do like the big crossover movie because there's also Craven the Hunter with Aaron Taylor Johnson I think out next year I think they go into production for that this year but the interesting bit of casting here in that she is the new sorry you're... sorry I'm just my brain's breaking because Aaron Taylor Johnson was Quicksilver in the Marvel universe so if he is in <laughs> if he's in the Tom Holland side of things isn't anyone gonna be like wait a second oh, no. And this guy? He's dead, isn't he? So once he's dead, you just <laughs> he's got a new accent. <laughs> so he was basically forgotten about after that. Like, did anyone ever bring up Agent Coulson? No, but did they haven't then recast Agent Coulson as a totally different dude? <laughs> Back Clark Craig to play. Hello, I'm Blort. Yeah. <laughs> but so we've got uh, another bit of casting for Madam <laughs> Web. Man, right? no, it's tickled me. It's like it's gone mad. Everything's gone mad. <laughs> There's too many things now. Um, so yeah, so we, the interesting bit of casting, because she's sort of like the hot thing at the moment off the back of the success of Euphoria, is Sydney Sweeney, who has been cast as an unnamed role as of yet. So hot right now. Maybe she's clairvoyance. She could be, yeah. I mean, I didn't actually have her down on the list of potential characters that she could be. But the leading theory, I guess because she's blonde, is, oh, well, she's going to be Black Cat. Hmm. And Black Cat is a character, you just, are you just nodding? Well, I know, it's good, just great detective work, isn't it? <laughs> just, she properly connected the dots. Yep, yeah, that's, that's Twitter for you. It's just like, <laughs> she is a woman, Black Cat. Um, the other options could be, and I'm only going by Sony's original plans they had for the Spider-Verse series mm. of movies, because they announced Black Cat and Silver Sable. That offers up Silver Sable as another character that they may want to do. And also, and I forgot about this, they also announced a Spider-Woman movie. Spider-Woman, just from a marketing perspective, seems like a much easier sell to mainstream audiences who aren't as familiar with these, you know, let's face it, C-list characters within Spider-Man's own roster of characters. But yeah, Spider-Woman, oh, it's the it's like Batgirl. It makes sense. Yeah. I, I easily understand that. If you start putting a movie as Black Cat, Silver Sable, or Madam Web, that's that's not as a, an easier thing. But I guess they put out a Morbius movie. So what am I talking Cra about? Craven the Hunter, yeah. yeah. I, I think with this, like because you're right, like these are lesser-known characters within Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man is the draw here, and usually we go and see a Spider-Man movie, and then these other characters would be mm. there. Now they're looking to have these characters be the focal point. They're just loading it with stars. Apparently, like Sydney Sweeney was like in demand. She was offered loads of high-profile movie roles, and this is the one that she chose. So this is a big get for Sony. So I'd imagine she's going to be all over the post. It's probably a very high-profile character for her as well. The other option I was thinking, though, and I, this just jumped into me now when you said, "Oh, Spider Woman makes sense because it's an easy step to make for you know the casual audience." Spider Gwen. She's blonde. She is. Oh my God. It's right there in front of us. And Spider-Gwen was part of the Spider-Verse, uh, Into the Spider-Verse huh. movie. So she's already got an audience now who knows what the character is or who that character is. So if you do a live version of Spider-Gwen, does that not just, it's, it's an easy translation to make. There's no Gwen Stacy in the MCU so far. Not so far, no. That was the Andrew Garfield side of things. And I guess to an extent, uh, Toby's as well. Interesting. Yeah, maybe that could potentially be it. Wow. It's, a, it's weird then to title the movie Madam Web. Hmm. Madam Web to me sounds like your Nick Fury character who pops up at the end of all your various yeah. Spider-Verse movies. Hey, do you want to... 
Well, she, she's got like a battle world, right? Where she makes all the different Spider-Verse characters face off against each other. Oh yeah, there's that series. Like, there was a few episodes, wasn't there, where she brought them all in together. Yeah. And you had that Stan Lee cameo at the end, where like Spider-Man in one of their worlds is just a TV actor. Mm. And, then, and then like Peter Parker goes to that world and just like swings around with uh, Stan Lee. He's like, this is great, Spider-Friend. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose like to wrap this up, are you excited for the potential of a, of a Madam Web movie? I'm excited about the idea of fleshing out the Spider-Verse. I think when we find out more about the project, it'll probably make a lot more sense. I'm actually quite excited about Morbius as well. Just like, because there's a the poster right next to my tube station and it's got Matt Smith in, my favourite ever Doctor Who. And that guy who's really good in everything. Not Jared Leto, who is. <laughs> yeah. God, his performance in the House of Gucci is amazing. <laughs> um... But no, the, the, the guy, the, is he Irish? Yeah, I know he's Yeah, Jared, that guy. Jared. Jared something. That guy. <laughs> that guy. He's in a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. And I like him in all of them. Jared, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Now that everyone apart from me has seen the Batman, that means that <laughs> other uh, film studios are now willing to release some movies, including The Nan, Phantom of the Open, X, and in selected cinemas, Jujitsu Kaisen. Did I say that right? An anime. Ju Wait, did you just say Jujitsu? Jujitsu. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was miles off. You are Kaisen. right. You're very, you're, yeah. Well, I suppose the most noble one did from you leave the... an anime? <laughs> <laughs> Even anime. I have seen Death Note <laughs> and uh, the Transformers movie from 1986, which was an anime. Really? Does that count as an anime? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. But anyway, the Nans released this week. I am a person who didn't see the Catherine Tate. Was it the Catherine Tate show? Was that what this is born yeah, out of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I bothered? All those catchphrases. <laughs> Was that how the catchphrase went? No, well, yeah, that's the that's the line. Am I bothered? I'm pretty sure it was based on my sister at the same time. It was a very astute observation. But this is kind of in that realm of Kevin and Perry go large mm -hmm. or the in-betweeners, uh, taking a sort of sitcom or sketch show character and then putting them onto the big screen. And in traditional fashion, it's a road trip movie. Phantom of the Open has been getting a lot of positive chat though, and I've been seeing a lot of trailers for it online, and I've been saying to Dan Layton in the last few weeks when we had unlimited screenings for it, I love uh, films based on golf. <laughs> do you? I really do. What? Okay, uh, Happy Gilmore. Yep, Tin Cup. What's Tin Cup? Oh, Tin Cup, that's an amazing movie. Kevin Costner and <laughs> Renee Rousseau, superb. Uh, Caddyshack. Yep, Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> but the film I think I am most excited for this week is X. Mm. We watched the trailer for it just before this. And my Ty West, who is from a horror background, he was one of the directors on VHS. He was one of the directors on ABCs. I am, I'm really interested by this because it looks like it has got two sort of movies running concurrently with each other it is the movie that they are making within the movie and the movie itself but also kind of like by the end of it it almost feels like they're going to be watching back what happened via the video camera and we're sort of going to see it running in real time as well sort of after all the crimes have happened and the murders and that but it looks really cool the production company behind it a24 a really interesting thing 
I've not realized how much stuff they've been involved in. In the trailer itself, it's like from the studio that brought you Hereditary. And you, you realize that a lot of the films, the high concept horror and kind of fantasy movies from the last four years or so, they're actually all from this same studio and they all look aesthetically very similar. Kind of like you've got Blum, you know, Blumhouse does his thing. Everything has the same template. And it's this idea of not the director being the auteur, although they do have obviously a big input, but the producer. And yeah, A24 is behind this film as well. And, and for that reason, it looks gorgeous. Mm. Yeah, it's like looks set within the 1970s on the set of an adult, uh, a blue movie, mm. um, but also in sort of creepy, almost uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque location and, and strange house with this sort of strange family within it. I think it being set in the 70s, it does invoke Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And yeah, like you mentioned, you know, A24, Hereditary, things like Midsummer. Like mm. I really do like high concept horror movies like this that have got some interesting and new ideas to do. It's the sort of film that would have been like an opening night movie at Fright Fest that everyone would be like, I cannot wait to go and see that. And have been the one that everyone would have been talking about for the rest of the weekend. So I'm really pleased to see it's getting like a, a nice solid release here. I mean, spoilers when we get to it, this is my pick of the week. But you can also book tickets for The Batman, The Duke, Uncharted, Dog, Death on the Nile, and Sing 2. So I said that there, X is my pick of the week. What's yours? Oh man, looking at, honestly, looking at the trailers, I'll probably have to go X as well. That is, uh, if it's even half as good as Midsummer or Hereditary, like, I'm very, very happy. Tickets are on sale now for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, but they are also available for Morbius and Fantastic Beasts Secrets of Dumbledore. On sale today, it's available in IMAX, 4DX, ScreenX, and Super Screen. I've talked at length about Sonic the Hedgehog 2, <laughs> for obvious reasons. The new trailer was out this week. It was nearly the lead topic for this video. Mm, and it's basically just me talks being, you down from that. Yeah, it's basically me going like, look how cool this bit is. Look how cool this bit is. See how cool that bit is? It's going to be cool. Uh, but you are, said yourself you're excited for Morbius. How are you feeling about Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, I'm really keen because, of course, this is going to be the final showdown. As a wrestling fan, mm -hmm. we like our big main events. Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. Did I say it right? Yeah, Gr Grindel Grindelwald. Grindelwald, yeah. Like Grindelwald. This is, this is the hype fight. Like, I think this is like in the, the text. I'm looking over to the, the nerds in the room. This was in the, the sacred texts about like hyped up and stuff, yeah? And we're gonna see it? Hopefully, yeah. You'd assume so. Yeah. It's the third, it's the third movie. This is, this is the conclusion time. On April 21st, we've also got the National Theatre live performance of Henry V, and we've got unlimited screenings on Monday, the March 21st for Uma, and Tuesday, March 29th, two weeks early, The Lost City. Was that a gag for Henry V? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's, I know it's, that's Henry V. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky told me that. <laughs> Indie Max says, after seeing Batman in the cinema, I went back five days later and saw it again. I haven't done that in almost 20 mm. years. Wow. Well, I wonder what the last film they saw 
Back to back, well, not back to back, but very closely. So if we go look at 2002 movies, what could it have been? Uh, Enough, starring Jennifer Lopez as the (laughs) first result. Scooby-Doo the movie. Lord of the Rings, one of them. Yeah. Uh, Was it Two Towers that year? Panic Room. Uh, Solaris. (laughs) Reign of Fire. George Clooney's remake of Solaris. Could be, yeah. Yeah. Rain of Fire. Well, sure. Rain of Fire, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm into that. Amazing film. Uh, Thunderpants. Huh? <laughs> Do you remember Thunderpants? Wasn't that with Ron Weasley? It was with Ron Weasley, yes. Before uh, he got swole. <laughs> Eight Mile, maybe? He's super jacked now. This is fun. Ali Isn't G. He? Ali G in the house. <laughs> the first Resident Evil movie. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, as that the last time they went to the cinema in 20 years' time. Um, Gerardo says, probably because I grew up with Batman the Animated Series, but I see the Batman and Rob's performance. It really reminded me of that animated series and why I loved it. It's the storytelling that I thought was so good, though. That's interesting as well. I would say definitely, yeah, animated Batman series, the sort of more procedural... BTAS is what people cool call it. BTAS. Solving of crimes. Tass. Detective part of things, but in terms of an actual Batman performance, like Kevin Conroy is very composed, almost father-like. Robert Pattinson is a mess. <laughs> he is an emotional PTSD suffering mess. Uh, the Pure Magnet thinks that Batman is better than The Dark Knight. Mm. Five stars. RS two thousand two. It called it an incredible movie. Matthew Walker. Yes, yes, it is the best one. Tony says it is. All other Batman films are crap. <laughs> um, and cultural influence of gravy here says bring back Cinemania. So, oh, yeah. Uh, and Topher, his top three Batman movies are The Batman, Lego Batman, and The Dark Knights. What in in what order? In that order. So, so Batman number, number one, one was the Batman. Lego number two, The Dark Knight number three. I like Lego Batman, but it was far below my expectations. You know, when you think of Batman movies and you think of the Lego movies. I think both of those were individually better than the Lego Batman. I still agree, because the Lego movie is a five-star perfect movie. Yeah, 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 no, without doubt. Uh, But that's all we've got time for on this edition of the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. But right now, we have got a special pair of interviews here with Craig Roberts and Simon Farnaby of The Phantom of the Open. So check that out. This is exclusive to the Cineworld podcast. You know, everybody feels like they're certainly, you know, obviously the main character in their own story. Um, and that was really, that was, you know, that, I think that made its way into the iconography of it all and how we tried to shoot it. I mean, the opening title of the movie says, you know, Morris Flickcroft is the Phantom of the Open. You know, like he's starring in his own, in, in his own, in, in his own story. Um, and that's why we wanted those, I mean, those surreal moments were in the script anyway. Like Simon, had, you know, he goes into a golf, you know, goes, goes through the TV and, you know, gets hit by a golf golf club and stuff like that and that's what really attracted me to the script really it kind of reminded me of billy liar um or almost like the big lebowski a little bit um uh i think that's what makes it special i think it's it's nice to to really be with the character and and really see what's going on when we talked about the comedy of it all i i mentioned punch drunk love by paul thomas anderson just because i, I love the tone of that movie it's the the stakes are high and um but you know the uh, and the character's been you know thrown loads of stuff and just I think that uh, PTA is able to 
take something like social anxiety and, and and flip it a little bit so that we're with the character throughout and that that's the funny experience of it and, and that's what i loved about that so i mentioned that a few times with him um but in in in, in terms of like when we did the rehearsals we you know we read through the script we didn't do too much prep i knew that mark would be you know doing his own stuff and that when you know that it would work out absolutely um but what I what I love about Mark's performance is his physicality. I think like he's kind of you know almost Bill Murray deadpan in in a lot of it, but he's got the physicality of like a Jack Tatty or like a Buster Keaton, um, and I think that's what works and kind of makes it feel almost like an Ealing comedy in some way. Even though Ealing comedies were not a reference for the movie at all, it kind of makes it sit in that. Um, so yeah, I mean we're very lucky he he decided to come and play. I think we we love underdog stories because we can see see ourselves in people trying to you know uh, do more than we're told we should you know and, and break the box and break the mold. He certainly did that, Morris. I've been I've been referencing um, Kanye West a lot um, with Morris. I feel like he's the Kanye West of golf. I feel that like at the beginning of Kanye's career, he, he wouldn't take no for an answer and, and was trying to convince people all the time he could he could do something. I mean, it didn't work out for Morris as well as it did for Kanye, but <laughs> I, I, I think the. Uh, I think the moral of the story is what do you, what's your, you know, what do you see as success really? Is it winning the competition or is it, is it the, the taking part and, and proving to yourself that you can do it? I grew up around golf. My dad was a greenkeeper, so I played golf as a junior. And that was my first memory of Morris was, um, hearing about this guy who'd entered the British Open and, and and done very badly. And so if there was a particularly bad golfer amongst the juniors or or or, or even the seniors, they were they were known as a flickcroft, you know, he's he's a flickcroft. <laughs> um and and then I sort of forgot about him until uh, two thousand and seven and I read that he died, there was an obituary in the in the paper. And in fact in all the all the broadsheets there was um, obituaries uh, that made me think, I wonder why I'd never heard of him in the sort of 30 years, you know, from the sort of eighties. Um, and so, so no, there's a big gap there. And actually, um, there wasn't even that much at that point on Google, like any, anything that's on YouTube is, is we've put it all together. And Scott Murray, who, who I wrote the book with, we found that footage, um, from America and what have you. And, and the TVAM footage, I think, that you're referring to, that's in the end of the film, I don't even think that is available on YouTube. That's our footage that we got from ITV, um, because that is priceless. We should actually put it up um, if we can get the permissions, because because it's one of the funniest. That's like that's a good seven or eight minutes, and and um, it's really funny that that because uh, Tom O'Connor's on it making jokes about how rubbish Morris is and Morris is getting more and more angry. Um, and I wanted to put that thing in in its entirety, but obviously they wouldn't let us put eight minutes at the end of the film just <laughs> to show a clip. I actually wrote a screenplay before I um, wrote the book and then I wrote so many versions of the screenplay, but actually there were so many outrageous um, things you know, that we didn't put in the film, you know, like he did spend his time as a comedy high diver. He was, he, he was so desperate to get out of the shipyard. He, he joined a, a diving troupe and he told them that he could do a, a perfect pike dive. 
and when he when he so they put him into this show oh, nice. and then he fell off the the, the diving board and <laughs> and um, broke all his teeth that's why he has false teeth oh, um God. and so this was in the script originally and he also tried to write songs he wrote pop songs and i think he went to emi offices in london and with all these songs he'd written and they said well it's all very well but where's the tunes and he went well you can do that can't you and um uh he tried painting he was a painter and he spoke different lots of languages and and then he sort of so he kept trying to do things but but actually uh, we we had to narrow it down in the, in the film <laughs> to, to, to your point uh because it would have we could have filled half an hour with what he tried to do before he found golf um but when he found golf was later on in life, you know, he'd given up um, on his dreams, if you like, of doing something else. And then he found golf and, you know, that was it. And, and you know, um, yeah, it, it, was a, it, it wasn't a case of, it, it was a case of trying to make, taking a quite unbelievable story and trying to make it believable because <laughs> there were things that, like he was always getting arrested and getting shot at and, and 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 actually we we had to take some of those things out because i think people wouldn't believe it so so what you're left with is pretty much the bare bones of of what people will actually believe the similarities in that you know paddington sort of believed in community and he he um helped his neighbors and and that was his philosophy and 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 he wondered if he'd done the right thing and then at the end the neighbors come and sort of save him and and morris in a way was it is a similar sort of story in that he, I mean, he's slightly more individual, you know, because Morris had this sort of belief in, in himself and a belief in, uh, in um, going for your dreams, which he instilled in others, you know. And then I think, but similarly, he thought it was a, they're both films where, where you think the philosophy has failed. And then at the end, it turns out not to have failed <laughs> so, so so you're right in that respect and and i suppose it is about community because um uh you know one of my favorite films is it's a wonderful life and yeah, at the end likewise. of that film, you know everyone there's a reason why I, I think this is even corroborated by psychology i read it somewhere where seeing uh mass acts of kindness um it, it causes our emotions to to uh there's something about seeing lots of people uh being together as one on 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 some sort of cause and uh, um gives you a sense of emotion i think it must be a primal sort of thing and so um morris you know spent a lot of time on his own just with his wife and then and then in the film without giving too much away there's a sort of sense that he wasn't alone you know in what he was trying to do and that and that his message had sort of got out there um and it's um hopefully very uplifting to see in the end <laughs>